to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I want you to know that your church is praying for every single one of you during this period of time. The board's praying for you. Uh, The staff is praying for you. We're doing everything we can to stay in touch with you guys. And actually, you know what? This is kind of an exciting time because we get to be able to be intentional about how we stay in touch with one another because we weren't meant for isolation. We're not meant to be apart from each other. So we have to work at it and we have to kind of make sure we be in touch. I know this week I was like, I've only really been around one other person than my wife <laughs> all week, but you've been great. Hey, Karen, you want to say hello to everybody? Here she comes. Good morning. So glad you guys joined us this morning and enjoy the message. <laughs> she goes through it with me when I put it together. So uh, this is, uh, we're going to do an offering too, even right now. And, you know, you guys, you guys have always been strong for the whole history of our church. Uh, we're going to be strong right straight through this, I'm sure. And, um, you know, we want to keep this church strong and, and through the hurricanes, through 9-11, all of those situations that we were in, you guys always stepped up to the plate. So I'm really not, not even worried about it. But here we are. We're not able to give, you know, in the room together. And so you have the opportunity now to go online and give through text to give at eight. And you just text in. I did it last night. You just text in what you're going to text eight, four, three, two, one, punch it in, put amount in, and then it will take you through the prompts. We've been doing this for some time now. It's safe. It's secure. It's a good way to give. So it's eight, four, three, two, one. Hit that and send. And also you can still mail your checks in to the uh, church at post office box 7047. Post office box 7047, Myrtle Beach, 29572. 29572. Also, there's the church center app. There is a give a part on that. I tried it a while ago. It works well, too. And so we have all kind of ways that we can continue to support all the ministries and the missions and all that we do through this church. And so every offering is a sacred time, I think. But realizing we're all in our homes right now, uh, this feels very special to me. And so I'm going to pray and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to your hearts and just be obedient to him. And it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. And so, Father, thank you so much for taking care of us. Good times, challenging times. You're always there. You said you never leave us. You never forsake us. We're the sheep of your hand, the people of your pasture. Lord, you said that we look at the flowers of the field. You're going to take care of us. And so, Lord, this moment in time, as your people pray, as they pray, Lord, about what to give, Lord, I pray you minister to them, you speak to them, Lord, and with much gratitude and grace and happiness and joy, Lord, that they would give what you have placed on their hearts today to do. And so, Lord, thank you for your people. 
Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all of you there, man, a lot of you online here. Wonderful. Oh, thank you, Debbie. Yes. When this study on First Peter, and honestly, I don't know if there'd have been another book that would have been any better for us to to take a look at. I mean, who knew uh, this was going to happen? I asked some pastors the other day on Twitter, I posted, how many pastors had this situation in their vision for 2020? I mean, you know, this is the biggest thing that could have happened here, and here we are in it. Nobody saw it coming. And and so to be in First Peter at this time is, I think, very consoling, and also it, it helps us realize that all through history of the church, there have been times when challenging situations have occurred in the church and the church has always stepped up. God has always used his church in the middle of it. And so this letter, Peter, as I said last week, uh, he is writing this letter to churches that are on the outback, out on the very perimeter of the Roman empire. And he's wanting to encourage them. Probably he's never met them before, uh, but he loves mostly filling up these churches on that perimeter. And so though Peter writes a lot from the Jewish perspective and uses a lot of the Old Testament and and references in this, he knows he's speaking to a Gentile group. Um, When I read this this week over and over again, this portion of Scripture, oh, by the way, you can go to the U version and pull up the notes right now. You don't have them. You can go to the U version or the uh, our church center app too and pull them up and you can follow along because I've got the text in there and the fill-ins and so I'm going to read this passage today if you got your Bibles uh, or you have the handout you can read along with me I always love hearing you guys read scripture first Peter 1 13 through 25 first Peter 1 13 through 25 and then I'll I'll pray again ask the Lord to bless his word Therefore, the minds that are alert and fully sober set hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. 
Lord, bless the reading of your word in every household this morning. Everyone that's gathered and listening, and not just us, Lord, but the church worldwide that today gathers together and prays in such a different way than we have before. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to come be with us during this time and teach us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your fill-in, I have mine, then you can start filling it in because I'm going to share three areas of encouragement from this section of Scripture today. Of course, the first one is hope. Hope. In 1 Peter 1.13, he said, therefore, that means since we just read what we did prior, here's what we should do, right? So everything that was read before, it's like, here's how we respond to it. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. And uh, that with minds that are alert, it literally, when you read that phrasing, it's a picture Remember the prodigal son and the father when he ran down the road to meet the son? Uh, He had to gird up his loins. I know that's a strange phrase, right? (laughs) Girding up his loins. But they had this outer garment that went down to their ankles. And for someone to run, you'd have to bunch it up, tie it up in your belt so they could run and make it not trip over themselves. And so Peter is using this metaphor at this moment of, hey, Since you know Jesus and Jesus has done this for you and his grace and his mercies, like gird up your loins, grab that outer garment, put it into your belt so that you can run this race and you can run it well. Don't let anything trip you up in the process. Um, One commentary said it's like uh, take off your in order to get your muscles warm and loosened up. And take that off so now you can run, so you can go. Um, Luke 12, 35 says, be dressed ready for service. These metaphors. And then he uses another metaphor about being ready to to serve the Lord where we are. And that is, he says, be fully sober. And this metaphor is, is the comparison of having, you know, maybe drank too much and, and, and when you know that the more you drink, the more you can you start losing control of your faculties and suddenly your tongue gets loose. You don't think through things. You say things you shouldn't have said. You can't walk straight and you trip. And so Peter is using this uh, metaphor to say, stay sober in this. Don't, you know, don't. Get tipsy on either side because what you're doing out there in the outback, what you're doing out on the perimeter, what you're doing in Myrtle Beach, what you're doing with your neighbors, it requires your soberness of thought. It requires that you get anything away from your ankles that would trip you up because of the salvation that you've experienced, because of what Jesus has done in your life and placed you where you are. Now run, run. Peter can't be there just like I can't be there with you guys this morning. Peter couldn't be there with these churches out there, but he wants to encourage them. Hey, run the race. Be sober-minded. Don't let anything trip you up. And because these churches were, were under duress, they might be able to get out and go 
but their neighbors, you know, looked at them probably suspiciously because of their Christianity. They were coming under a kind of a cultural and public disdain because of what they believed. And so they were under a lot of pressure at that time. So Peter, Peter encourages them with the hope because of that hope, you know, hope that is a real encouragement. That's an expectation of good that's coming, you know, put our hope in that. And the fact that one day Jesus will come back and, and one day he will. And so we put our hope in trusting him at this time, be fully sober in it. And uh, it's just a, it's a good response to what Jesus has done for us. Right. In order to be keenly aware of our surroundings in light of the goodness of God in our own lives. And I love where he says that hope to be brought to you. In other words, at the coming of Christ, there's going to be even more grace poured out, more mercy poured out on us to be brought to you. So we, we look forward to that day. We don't fear that day. There's more grace coming to us. And so we have this alive hope in our lives. And we can tap into it for our strength even now. And um, so hope is a is a huge part of our faith. Now, we are not left. <laughs> we're not left without a good future, folks. We have a, a great future ahead of us. And even if it gets really tough here, we have a great future ahead. And I think that's what Peter is saying to, to those churches that are under such duress. It's like, put your hope in that. There's more coming. There's more coming. So, you know, the question I have is how much hope do I have in this moment? What is my expectation right now? Because it's there to be tapped into and it will strengthen me and it will help me walk through these moments. And as I look back over these last 48 years and see how the Lord has taken care of us, of me, how he's been so patient with me and that 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 experience on that May 1st, 1971 at that surfing contest was just the beginning of a continuing hope in my life that has fueled it. And it's there for all of us, all of us. The second encouragement is to holiness. Holiness. That's your second fill in to holy holiness. And first Peter 1, 14 through 21 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. A little redundancy there. Maybe he's trying to make a point. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. Wow. goes right back to that salvation moment that because of what Jesus has done for us, it calls us into a different lifestyle, a different way to live life. And one, one definition probably of holiness is that 
you know, we depend on this faith tradition that uh, how we live speaks to how holy we think God is and how much of an effect it's had in our life as obedient children. So Peter is not fussing at them, and he's, he's saying you already are obedient children. You already are following Christ. But because of that, as you are, then move in this way of holiness. Now, holiness, you know, we have denominations with the term holiness in it. Um, Some folks have like a dress code that will show you that you're holy. (laughs) And some people don't think you're holy, you know, if you don't look this particular way or you don't dress that way. And this goes beyond that. Certainly, how, what we believe of God and what he's done in our life should affect the way maybe we dress or maybe the way we move through life, the way we do business. Uh, that salvation experience and that work of God in us helps us live a holy life. And Peter knows these folks are under a lot of pressure right now and, and probably even in the marketplace. Uh, people are being they're prejudiced against. They probably can't do their trade and their work the way they used to. And so he's saying, look, keep, keep your way of life because you're obedient. Stay in there, hang with it. Let your life and the way you treat others and the way that uh, you deal in life, let it reflect the holiness, the holy otherness of God in your life. And I think we do need to be reminded of that because we Gentiles, especially, maybe that's why he's saying it too, because we, you know, kind of tend to get a little sloppy sometimes. And, and so he's just calling us back to that. And uh, one commentary said it this way, the demand for holiness is not embodied in an extended series of rules. It begins with God's gracious reaching out to bring human beings into relationship with himself. Human obedience follows upon God's merciful concern to liberate those in slavery. You get that? It's a response to the goodness of God, to the hope that we also have in him that we just talked about. It's, um, you know, I told you guys a story last week about taking some kids to a holiness church for revival. And, um, you know, it was much more about the look than it was getting to know the person to see what God had done inside. Um, Peter says, you know, don't fall back into your old ways because that's not who you are. Don't go back because you're under pressure, because you're sequestered in a a house, because you can't be with the people that you love, um, you know, your extended family or people. Don't don't lapse back into your old ways. And again, Peter assumes they're obedient. He's not. He's just trying to encourage them in this moment of history in their lives. He's encouraging them to stay the course, to be the people of God. And, uh, you know, in the way you live, in your ethics. And Roman, Romans 12.2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Now, obviously, this is about behavior. It's about how we behave in this world that we live in, how we choose to live, how we choose to do business, how we choose to treat our neighbors, uh, how we choose to forgive, uh, how we choose to extend the benefit of the doubt to our brothers and sisters, how it's all a reflection of the work of God in our lives in Jesus Christ, what he's done to us. And he says we have a holy father, one who's perfect and pure, who will judge how we live one day. And this is not something for us to dread. It's something for us to look forward to because he's a good judge. He's a good, holy, wonderful father. And he judges with absolute fairness. And I don't have time to go into that, but I think maybe some of us were probably raised with some different thoughts about the judgment of God in our lives, but maybe that's another sermon one day on on what that exactly means. But it's a good thing, and we followers of Jesus should look forward to that. And uh, the fear of God, you know, when you read that in this passage of Scripture, I know that some of us maybe who have suffered abuse and, and mistreatment and some of us in terrible ways, I know that when you read that about the fear of God, it can all kind of alarms can get set off in your life. And and so I want you to know God is not like that. You know, this fear of God reverence to him because he's pure, he's good, he's wonderful. Yes, he's powerful. And I heard one pastor say one day that, you know, that that seeing God and the fear of God is like having a, like a, a good father that watched after you. And, uh, but he's a really big father, a really tall, powerful father. And so we don't treat him like our best buddy necessarily. He is, we treat him reverent and holy and holy other, but he's here with us. I mean, look what he did for us. He, he sent his only son. Does, does that sound like someone who, who doesn't love you? I mean, the fact that he gave what he had, the best that he had in order to recapture you, redeem you, bring you back to himself. That's a beautiful, loving father who cares so much about you. It's your savior who did that willingly. And then it's the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us. These bodies where we go and act it out and behave it, he lives in this. So that, you know, that fear of God is is a holy respect for the amazing love and strength of our creator. A fear is not dread or anxiety. It's a healthy response of a human human being before an altogether different kind of being, God, and is a sign of spiritual health and gratitude when we have this toward him. So, Peter is looking at these folks. I think he's looking at us this morning and going, look, you folks out there, in the outback, you've experienced the gracious love, the amazing salvation of God in Jesus Christ. Don't lapse back into your old way of life. I know it's high pressure where you are right now. You're under a lot of duress. Don't forget what God has done in Jesus to you. You know how awesome it is. You know how awesome it was and how awesome it will be. Let that empower you to live in such a way now at this point in your life that it reflects the goodness of God. N.T. Wright says, the final judgment, in other words, will be anticipated in the present world through the spirit-led work and witness of Jesus' followers. 
When people see us in life, they see a people of the future as well as the now. And they see that God is going to do something really wonderful and good as they look at us. Like they get a little taste of that in us. And so Peter is saying, stay the course, stay the course out there. Don't lapse back. Another quote by Tom Wright, N.T. Wright is, people who believe that Jesus is already Lord and that he will appear again as judge of the world are called and equipped to put it mildly, to think and act differently in the world from those who don't. And I think every one of you who know Jesus feel this inside of yourself. And you know at times we're tempted to move this way, and then we'll feel this, the call of God to come back, move back this way, come back. You're my people, live this way. And so the fact that Peter writes this means that there's, you know, there is a tendency in us to lapse and go back. So he's encouraging us. This word is encouraging all of us and where we are now not to. And your last area of encouragement in this passage of scripture is love. Love. Man. In First Peter 1, 22 through 25, he says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. It's never going to drop and go away. It's there. Through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. After we take in the hope that we have in Christ, after we do a kind of a check of our lives to see if that salvation we've experienced is is making its way out in a holy living and a holy respect for God, then Peter calls us to community, the church, to love one another deeply, not surfacely, but to deeply love from, where do we get this love from? It's from the well of Christ's sacrifice. His, uh, that deep well of the crucifixion of what he did for us is the well of love that we have now through the Holy Spirit. And through that, through the resurrection, that's the same love we have implanted in us. And that love should make its way out within the community of God to one another. Now, what a time for us to show love to each other. I mean, this is a great time to pick up the phone, call, get online, have conversations, and do what you can to stay connected and uh, to love one another deeply. Peter expects his churches to be filled with people who love one another, who try to understand one another, we can't do that if we don't listen to one another. We have different opinions and, and things, but Christ's love is so deep and so powerful it allows us to be in fellowship and to listen to one another, who give the other person the benefit of the doubt, and who reach out to others in the same love that was extended to us, the same love that was extended to me. I have to give it away now. Give it away now. Give it away now. Hmm. Peter wants his churches filled with people who love one another. He wants the doors busted out. 
He wants the homes. Every time we do this during this situation, it to multiply and multiply and his love to grow and to grow and to grow and for it to affect and reach more people. And the depth of our intimacy with one another begins to just go below the surface to a deeper core love for one another that Christ had for us because of God's grace and by God's grace. And the result of it is intimacy. We learn to live in friendship with one another at a whole different level than we did before. The love we experience has been made available to us because of Christ, because of his redemption, because of his buying back of the church. And uh, so here, as we close this out this morning, I'm going to give you three uh, kind of three little guidelines to help us know whether what we're going to do, the action we're about to take is right or wrong, is it? And here's a good question to ask ourselves. Does what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do reflect the character of God? Does it reflect the character of God? The goodness that you know, the holy otherness of God that you know, the kindness, the truth of what you're about to say, what you're about to do, does it reflect who God is? Is it a good example? It's good to stop and pause and ask that. Another one is, is it a natural response to a life that has experienced and benefited from the salvation of God? I mean, there is nothing like remembering, stopping in your step right where you are and going back to when you first knew Christ. And when you experience the love and the forgiveness and the restoration of God in your life, is what you're about to say to that person or what you're about to do, does it reflect, is it a natural response to what God has done for you? That's holy living. When we do that, when we do respond out of that grace and mercy that God has extended to us, that's a holy life. So is it a natural response to a life that has experienced and benefited from the salvation of God? And your last question here would, what would God say on that day, that final day about my choices when he ushers us into his glorious kingdom? And it says our works are going to be judged. Now, that's not anything to be fearful about. Maybe we've been taught that. So now we feel like we're under a heavy hand from God. No, it's, it's a natural and beautiful response to the grace and mercy of God. We really won't know our impact in this world until that day. We won't know. And so a good, good check is, is what I'm about to say. Is what I'm about to do. Would I look at it if God brings it up on the last day and he goes, remember that situation, Tim? Remember that? Remember how you responded? And I can go, yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up, Lord. I'm glad you're bringing that up. I didn't know you paid attention to that, but thank you for giving me the grace and you empowered me to respond correctly. See, Peter is encouraging this group because he's not to be with them. He's not able to be able to sit down and even do like what we're doing right now. And so he wanted them to stay the course because they had were good, wonderful, loving, faithful followers of a Lord whom they had experienced 
not one-on-one. Peter had, remember he's writing this, Peter had, but those up there had not. And so he's encouraging them to stay the course. And folks, I want to say to all of us that it's so important right now that we be the salt, the light, the city on a hill, that we indeed live a life at this time that points to a sovereign, beautiful, loving, amazing Savior who is ready to save. He wants to save. He wants to restore everyone. And he's left us here and gifted us here with his presence and with his spirit to be those emissaries of a kingdom that came in Jesus Christ. But we haven't experienced it fully yet, but it's coming. It will come. And so we're emissaries. That's when he says foreigners or aliens type. It means that we are of the kingdom of God that will come one time, one day to this earth in fullness. And so we live first and foremost as citizens of that kingdom. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you'll continue to read. Look, if you have any questions, uh, our whole staff is on this page, on the uh, church Facebook page, or you can go to the Planning Center, Church Center app, and get in touch with any of us. And uh, let's stay connected and ask your questions. Send them. We'll stay in touch this way. And boy, I'll tell you what. One day we're going to have an amazing reunion. And when we finally are able to come together and to worship God in close proximity to one another, it's going to be incredible. And until then, we're going to do this. We're going to gather. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. And we're going to serve our neighbors. And we're going to get through this. And the church is going to be the better for it when it all comes down. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, this salvation that Peter is talking about that's so powerful in our lives to help us live a life pleasing to you is available to anyone that's online right now here. And Lord, I pray that as they're listening and thank you for having them drop in and being with us, I pray that you would reach into their heart at this very challenging time and that you would give them a taste of the hope that is in Jesus Christ and they would surrender to you right now and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to be a part of those folks, part of these folks, the people of God who look forward to every day being available to the spirit. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be restored to my creator fully. And you can do that. You can do it right where you are right now. And it's important, really is important to let somebody know you did. You can type it out on this page. You can send some of us a message to let us know you did that. But you need to tell somebody. This is a glorious thing, and it's a change of life, complete change of life for you. And so do it. Just say, yes, today I prayed to, to surrender to Christ and to begin to follow him. And we'll do all we can to help you. We'll get on here. We'll give you resources. We'll pray for you. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website 
or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.